Welcome to Frantically Speaking's podcast Beyond Hard Skills. I'm your host Radeep and here's where we discuss what it takes to make it in your career beyond degrees, technical skills and hard work. Let's get started. On today's episode we're joined by Chris Fenning. Now Chris is an author, but his real mission in life is to make it easier for you to communicate at work. But the best part about all his teachings is that they are super practical. Maybe that's why organizations like Google and NATO apply them in their daily communications. I would recommend you sit down with a pen and paper over here because all the lessons about to be shared are super practical. Hope you enjoy. Chris, welcome to Beyond Hard Skills. I've been excited about this episode. How's it going for you so far? Well, so far this year, we're at the time of recording. We're mid-January and things are going well. Got a new book coming out, new courses, the family's well, and it's just started snowing where I am, which I have a seven-year-old daughter and it's a magical experience for her. Fantastic. Perfect. So before we dive in, I'm very excited to discuss the book, which I have read two times now, which is called The First Minute. For anybody, before we dive in to specifics about this book, this is not the new book Chris is talking about. We'll get to that a little later. But this book is, it's a little over 100 pages long. And if you are someone who's not into the habit of reading, you can still very easily breeze through this particular book. And it's for anybody in any field, in any sort of career that they might be in. So before we dive into specifics of the book, I would love to know a little bit about your story. How did you get into this? What were you doing before? And what are you up to nowadays? Well, wow, that's a lot. So we could spend the whole time talking about that, but I, I'll see if I can be clear and concise on this, which will be a bit of a test given the topic of the book. So my background is engineering, and I had 20 years in various project jobs, um, business analysis jobs, IT, mergers and acquisitions, and I've worked all over the world, from Africa, all across Europe, Asia, and quite a lot of time in North America. And throughout that time, I, I went from graduate engineering up to a leadership role in a very large company overseeing projects, programs, and IT. And then I made a big change. My, my family and I moved from America back to Europe. And at that point, I changed from being a corporate employee into what I do now, which is an author, speaker, trainer, and coach, and focusing on communication skills. I took everything that I'd learned in those 20 years and all the things I learned from other people, my own experiences, and I decided to approach the gaps in current communication training. For example, in communication training, you may well be told you should be clear and concise, and, and that's great. You should. That, that helps you be a good communicator. But very rarely do we get told now. And so I found that gap and wrote the first minute. And that's my approach to what I do now. I find the gaps in the communication skills and I close them. Research, working with other instructors, my own experience, and so on. So I had a corporate career. Now I teach communication skills and I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, every single day is a joy. And I, I teach and write and work all around the world. Clear and concise, as you mentioned. Perfect. In terms of specific aspects of the book, right? Let's get into the techniques of it. Now, what I love about the first minute, which is Chris's book, there is zero fluff 
that's given in the book. And, and what, what he just mentioned about in terms of gaps in the communication space. Yes, while there are technical gaps about concise communication and confidence and everything, the biggest problem in this space for anybody who's tried to learn communications professionally is that a lot of content is filled with just jargon which you can't really apply. So the thing I love, and I have, I'm a avid reader, especially of communication books, because that's my subject. But uh, this is probably the most concise book I have read. It's so clear, no word can be removed from it, right? And th that's the mark of a of any sort of perfect communication. I want to understand from you the very first chapter, and we're not going to go chapter by chapter, but the very first chapter is one technique which immediately resonated with me. It's something that I apply very often in my emails. If I have to communicate a difficult conversation to somebody, even in my WhatsApp messages. And that technique is called framing. I would love to hear a little bit from you for those who might not have read the books or even beyond that. Or what is framing and how can someone apply it in their workspace? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for that description of the book. And no fluff and no filler is to hear that that was the result and that's what you took away from it is wonderful because. I don't like books, which is which include the, all the backstory of the author and 39 examples of the same point. I like practical, to the point, usable advice. So the, thank you for sharing that that was your takeaway. That really means a lot. Let's take a look at that, that first method, framing. Framing is something that sets up the conversation you're about to have. So if we were going to, if we were working together, Hridip, and I wanted to talk to you about something that we were working on, if I come up to you, you could be thinking about anything at all in the whole world. You could be thinking about the work. You could be thinking about a report next week, lunch, something that you watched on, on TV or the movies. You could be thinking about anything, and I guarantee it's not going to be the topic that I want to talk about. You also have no idea why I'm talking to you or what the point is that I want to make. And this is where framing comes in. Framing provides, in the first 10 to 15 seconds of the conversation, it provides the information that all of us want to have when somebody comes to talk to us. And the easiest way to understand it is there are three questions that we all have. When someone talks to us, we think, what are you talking about? Why are you talking to me? And what's your point? Now, we may not say those. We're often far more polite than that. But whether we realize it or not, those are the questions that we have. And until we know the answers, we struggle to focus. We struggle to understand. And so framing as a method is a three-part method that gives the audience exactly what they need to answer those three questions. It gives them context. What are you talking about? What is the topic? Oh, Pradeep, I want to talk to you about this particular project or that client or this issue. It gives intent. Why am I talking to you? I need your help. I'm looking for information. Heads up, something's about to happen. And it delivers a key message, which is the equivalent of a headline in an article or on the news. So framing provides context, intent, and key message. They're the three parts. And it answers those three questions that when you answer them, the audience pays attention, they understand what you want, and you can have a great conversation. 
Yeah, one of the things that I came across when I when I was reading the framing chapter is that man, this is this is so simple. Why haven't we thought about this before? Because it, <laughs> it's so it's it's just logical that yeah, people are thinking about something else. You have to draw context. At least tell them why you're speaking to them, and then say the message. Most people s- skip to the third part of it itself. So oh yes, and go into detail. They don't just skip to the key message. They go into oh, let me give you lots of backstory and 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 all the time. We as an audience are thinking, what? Well, hang on, what? What is this about? And we're trying to unpick it, or we're trying to work out what the conversation is about as it's happening. Which means we're not concentrating on the detail. We're concentrating on what on earth are you talking about? Definitely. In fact, I, I'll let it just share with you that obviously, as a business, we are into communications training, so we have to reach out to people often. And I often reach out to people on LinkedIn, right? If I just want to connect and chat with somebody, I tend to send them a message. And one of the criticisms I have received in very polite manners is that your messages are very long. And so after I read this book, I started applying this framework in cold LinkedIn messaging as well. And that's just, it's not only increased my response rate, but I feel better sending out the message because I know that a person's not going to waste their time going through so much context or so much of the key messaging without having a sense of the intent or vice versa. Yeah. So for anybody listening, if you're into marketing or sales, even if you're into cold messaging, you can still apply this framework to concise down your points and communicate the same meaning itself. That's one application that I have personally used in this. Was that an intention that you had in mind for people in marketing or sales to use it? Or did you only intend it for verbal communication or email writing? Just out of curiosity. Ah, yes. So the intention was not sales and marketing, just like the intention is not for relationship-based communication or talking with your family. However, oh, so I finished that point. So it wasn't the intention. The goal is for everyday transactional messages at work. And the majority of our communication at work is transactional. We're giving something to someone. We're asking for something from someone. Those are the uh, what we spend most of our time doing. However, since publishing the book, people have contacted me and told me about how they are using it. You just mentioned one example in a, a sales outreach. I also had somebody who works in a family counseling and support organization where they help uh, families where their parents and children are having behavioral challenges. They need support um, for, for really communicating every day. And they found that this method helps the parents communicate clearly with their children without letting lots of emotion into the conversation. So they can have difficult conversations in a structured way without emotions taking over. I never intended that. That's not my specialty. But people are finding ways to get benefits from these methods. So there are lots of applications beyond the original intention. Amazing. I think I'm yeah, I'm one of those people who has done it, so I can definitely vouch for that. And for those of you questioning that, hey, isn't this aren't we communicating too little by just giving this context, intent, and key message? For you, there is more to this framework as well, which we'll get into right now. There's a very interesting technique given in the book called as GPS. Chris, would you tell us what GPS is all about and how it adds to the framing aspect of what we just spoke about? Yes. Uh, just before I go into the GPS, 
the to answer the question of wealth, surely this is too brief and too too abrupt. The framing sets up the conversation. It answers those three critical questions, so you can then talk about the detail and go into all the extra things, answer the questions, expand it, and so on. So framing is the first step. Then, if you have a large topic, it's important to summarize it, and this is where GPS comes in: goal, problem, solution. And the reason we need to summarize is everything we talk about at work. In fact, everything we talk about in life is a summary, and I stand by that. I absolutely stand by that. Here's an example, Khadip.、Um, tell me what what did you do、uh, this morning before breakfast? I did yoga. Okay, that was a summary. If you weren't giving me a summary, you would have said, "I woke up." I opened my eyelids. I took a breath. I moved my head up off the pillow. I turned and lifted myself out of bed. We would give a blow by blow, step by step description of absolutely everything. And not only do we not have the time for that, nobody cares. Nobody wants that amount of detail. So we naturally summarize things. When it comes to work topics, we fall back into a bad habit. Of giving too much information, and what we do is we believe that our audience needs to have lots of detail, lots of background to be able to understand our question or understand the point we're making, and that is wrong. We generally don't need that information, and if people do need it, they ask. So that's what we do. We give a lot of information. The problem is we don't have time for that. A lot of times, our audience doesn't need or want it. So, how do we solve that problem? The solution is summaries, and the GPS goal problem solution method is a great way to summarize anything. And here's what it is: you state what you're trying to achieve. That's the goal. So, Khadip, I want to talk to you about next month's、uh, client meeting. The goal is: I want to make sure we've got our agenda planned. The problem is, I'm not sure on the topics that you want to talk about. So, as a solution, can I get half an hour with you tomorrow to run through the planning? I've just summarised what I want to achieve, the problem that's standing between me and achieving it, and the solution that I want. What I could have done is said, "Oh, we've got this client meeting next week and or next month, and you know the one with these people, and we've been talking about it for a while, and I've been working out what my plans are, and I've got these topics, and I know that you want to have something. I'm already boring myself. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're thinking, 'What is your point? Where are we going to with this?' So by stating the goal as one line, the problem as another, that tells you what I'm trying to achieve and why I can't, and then the solution gets. Both of us to start talking about a forward-focused, solution-based conversation. So, goal, problem, and solution can summarize anything, give the audience what they need, and move the conversation forwards. I love that. And when I was reading about GPS, it also made me realize that, man, if you read a storytelling book, even storytelling books talk about this. I mean, in a slightly more elaborate sense, maybe, but. They do talk about it from a goal, problem, solution perspective. Every movie is more or less within oh, that. Oh yes, yeah,、right? yeah, it is. Let, take a huge one,、uh, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry, his goal is just to get through the school year. The problem is 
crazy stuff keeps happening to him. The solution, magic and, and hiding under blankets and et cetera, et cetera. That's a very, very high level summary. But every story has somebody who's trying to achieve something. They have a bunch of problems that are stopping them from achieving it. And the story is the solution, how they go about doing it. And there's a lot of discussion currently in the communication skills field about the power of storytelling. And storytelling is fantastic in the right circumstances if you really understand it and you've got the time to create a very compelling narrative. If you don't have that time, and most of us, most of us don't, or we catch someone in the corridor and go, oh, I need to talk to you about something, we can still use the power of a story structure in goal problem solution to help the other person understand our point, understand our narrative, and take them on a journey, but without having to do all of the really detailed storytelling stuff that, that we could you know, spend days talking about. Definitely. To summarize it for the audience as well, there are six steps over here. First is framing, which has three things in it, context, intention, and key message. And then there's GPS to elaborate on whatever you're saying after you framed the context, which is goal, problem, solution. Now, when it comes to applying this, how can someone who is not familiar with this, who's just hearing about this for the first time, start practicing and building their mindset towards concise communication like this itself? What are your thoughts there? Yes, practicing is the hardest part. You've already mentioned the method is simple. It's simple, it's logical, it is not rocket science. And my background is actually rocket science, so I can say that. It is not rocket science. It is just a simple framework. The challenge is remembering it and using it. So here are a few ways that people can, can apply to practice it. Start when you're writing your emails. Or start when you're preparing for an important conversation. Take 30 to 60 seconds, less than a minute, to write down context equals, intent equals, key message equals, and then the same for the goal, the problem, and, sol and the solution. If you're preparing for an important conversation, write those things down. You can even take them with you. Nobody will mind if you have some notes. You can even say, I've just got a couple of notes to make sure I, I'm really clear on the point I'm making. Your audience will appreciate the effort, almost always appreciate the effort that you've gone to. So writing it down first helps. And the second tip, particularly for goal, problem, solution, let's say you are in a meeting and someone asks you a question that you weren't expecting. If your notepad in front of you or on your screen, you have G, P, and S written somewhere that you can see, it's a visual reminder to structure your answer using goal, problem, and solution. For example, uh, Hradeep, you could say to me, Chris, what is the status of, uh, of the report that I owe you for next week? So, well, my goal is to get it to you for Friday. I'm currently missing some data. That's the problem. Uh, what I'm doing is I'm talking to Sanjay to get the data on Wednesday so that I have it ready for you on Friday. That is a complete story. It's goal, problem, solution, and it's a very short summary. So the tip is write it down and have it in a place where you can see it and then use it. <laughs> Find ways to practice and apply it. And over time, you'll get more comfortable 
doing this naturally as you think and speak yeah i think a lot of people find the first point you mentioned about writing it down so people are very averse to it and it's what you said right in fact if you write something down and enter a meeting with that or even right now if if i'm for example i'm talking to chris i have read his book a couple multiple times so i i have the questions at the back of my mind but if i didn't i would have written them down and i would keep looking away but i'm sure he would appreciate that as opposed to me blanking out while talking or not talking in a structured fashion so don't oh, be yes. taking notes into a meeting looking away reading something and communicating because the more you do that you'll find that slowly slowly you won't require those notes anymore but having them is not a problem that that's something that we should start adopting fantastic mm. are there any situations that you would recommend and this is something even i'm curious to know because it's not in the book where the framing or the gps framework does not apply in the workplace so i know it's not for relationships yeah. but is there are there any situations i should take myself yes. out <laughs> yes if you're in the unfortunate position of delivering bad news for example somebody is being let go from their job they're being fired and so on don't use framing I would not start the conversation with hi Hardeep um the what I want to do is talk to you about your job I need to give you some bad news you're about to be fired now let me tell you the rest of it not not a good situation to do that um I wouldn't use GPS for that our goal is for the company to make a lot of money the problem is you're very expensive so our solution we're going to let you go not good use of <laughs> <laughs> not a good use of the two methods so yes there are absolutely situations where it's not relevant uh, and not great the guide the guideline is if what you're about to say is very emotive if it's going to create a big emotional reaction you may want to take a different approach for setting up that difficult conversation and there there are other resources available for for how to set up the delivery of bad news um so yeah bad news particularly being fired don't frame it fantastic amazing i'm i'm curious to know though that since you started your career in engineering you you had a completely different work life before this now how did you come up with these techniques because i, I did mention that they are simple but they're not obvious until you know about them yeah so i'm curious to know how did you think about this did you apply it did you face trial and error and then come to this did a mentor help you through it how did you come across these techniques in particular it's a, a little bit of all of those early in my career i had the pleasure of working with a gentleman called carlos de pombs and he worked at mckinsey's before he before i i ended up working with him and he gave me a crash course over a period of 6 to 8 months in clear communication at work One of the methods that he taught me was a McKinsey's method which is situation complication resolution. It's a well-established method in of communicating in the consultancy world. And I used that for many years. But it never quite fit how I wanted to use it because there's ambiguity in what does the situation include? How much information do I put in? What is the complication? Is it the complication for me or for them? So it wasn't quite clear enough for me but I used it and I think it's really valuable lot anyone listening to this can go and look for the McKinsey method situation complication resolution and having used that method 
experience then showed me how I was regularly changing it to fit my own needs. And there was a pattern that emerged, and that pattern through experience and then it interrogating that, looking at it from a, an analytical perspective and saying, what is it about this that is different and why have I done this differently, led me to the context, intent, and key message method. And goal problem solution as well. Of course, of course. So a mix of a lot of experiences put you in this space. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I want to switch the conversation a little over to your newer projects that are coming on. Because mm-hmm. I could talk about first minute all day. So let, let's move over to the to the new books. What is it that you're currently releasing? I know you have something coming up. What is that about? Please tell us about it because I have some questions over there for you as well. Okay. The new book is a slightly different topic and I'm very excited about this. It's called 39 Ways to Make Training Stick. And it's what to do after trainees leave the room. So I spend... And, and tens of thousands of other instructors and trainers spend time creating valuable, engaging training sessions. And then when the training session ends, most of what we've taught gets forgotten within one to two days. There's something called the forgetting curve, which is a nice, easy one to remember. And very, very quickly after leaving the room, the, um, what we've been taught just sort of falls out of our ears and we, we forget it. And so I have worked with my own methods and pulled from the ideas and methods from other world-class trainers to create a guidebook with 39 different ways to support trainees after the training. Things like follow-up sessions, workbooks, self-paced resources, community and collaboration, digital resources, activities. And there are lots of different ways, 39 of them in this particular book, that can help reinforce the learning help trainees apply it. So while it's not a an everyone book, because it doesn't improve someone's communication skills, it is a guide for anyone involved in training, which is a method of communication, is why it fits with my portfolio. So it's a practical guide, step-by-step instructions for how to build and use all of these 39 methods. Comes out on the 31st of January, 2024, and I'm very excited. <laughs> We all are in the training space. We all are quite excited for it to come out. Let's let's put this into an example. <clears throat> so, as I told you, we tend to teach professionals effective communications for meetings, presentations, and public speaking. Now, if you let's let's just take a public speaking example away. Let's say I'm doing a training with regard to public speaking. It's a six week course. Once a week, you have a session for about ninety minutes. Where we're covering various aspects of voice modulation, body language, tonality, storytelling, etc. How do I make sure that, and I know it's a very vague question that I'm asking, so we can be vague with the answer as well, but how do I ensure that the methods not only stick, but they also apply the techniques in their daily communication mm. or when they have a presentation? What would, what would an example be here? Okay, so in that example, I'd use more than one method. So I would consider sending out an email series after the training sessions, which include video tip reminders of key points from that training. 60 second videos, very short, just on the key points as a visual reminder. And in the email, there could be an activity, do this thing. So you're prompting 
the attendees to actually apply what they've learned. In a six-week program, you have the luxury of checking in the next week to say, have you done them? Let's say you ended the six weeks and you wanted to see or wanted to help people apply. You could use the same method and you could have a follow-up session, a virtual follow-up session four weeks afterwards, top-up training and a bit of Q&A. You could also ask the participants to pick a training buddy. And they have activities to then teach one or two of the points they've learned to that accountability training buddy and training partner. Those are four different methods we covered there that are simple to do. They're not time intensive. They're not expensive. In fact, they're usually free if you have an email system already set up that provide those students that continuity and repeated reminder and refreshing of those ideas so that they can apply them. Got it. I think that that makes sense. That That's quite... Personally, we haven't tried this as well. So it's, it's a good idea to have in terms of an email follow-up. We usually have summary cards going out, which summarize the entire session up so that they have those points right there before they attend next week's class so they can have a quick revision before coming in. But yeah, never thought yeah. of email follow-ups as such. That's, that's quite an interesting one. Fantastic. Uh, can I give you a bonus a bonus yes. from this? Yes. Reusing content makes this process more powerful. So if you did an email series with a one-minute video, that one-minute video can also be a social media post, a LinkedIn post. If you have 10 of those videos, you have a mini series which you can give away that can lead people into your program. It can also support them afterwards. So those reusing those methods works very, very well. That's amazing. Because we already have so much social content. We haven't, I haven't thought about reusing it for something like this, especially to make a training stick. So I think that that gives me a good takeaway to add to what we're already doing. Amazing. I want to shift the conversation a little over to something else entirely, which everyone's been talking about since the last year, which is artificial intelligence. Let's get into that. I want to know, since you're very much into email writing, concise communication, obviously a lot of people are using tools like GPT to structure their emails out and everything. Have you tried to use AI to enhance or aid your communication? If so, any tips you can share for that? Or do you prefer keeping the human touch completely and 100% there itself and using AI for other means? Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of AI in the right circumstances. So let's talk about writing emails at work. And I I know people who now use, as you mentioned, ChatGPT to write their work emails. I personally think that is a terrible idea because the system doesn't know your topic, your intention, what you want to get out of it. It might be able to write a succinct email, but you then have to check every line and every word in that to make sure that your message is getting across you might as well spend the time writing a good email in the first place and using the structures in, you know, I have a book on effective emails. There are some very simple structures that you can use to shorten the emails, get your point across clearly using some of the techniques we've talked about today. Framing and GPS can adapt very easily to use in an email. So at work, if I'm asking a colleague for missing data for a report or their opinion on something I've created, AI is terrible for that. It's not going to get your intention right. It's going to put in something generic. 
Here's the, the counter to that. If you are new in a sales role and you are doing outbound sales emails, you can ask the AI tools to give you a good structure or template to use in an email on a particular topic. You can then take that template and make it your own. So you're getting the benefit of the, of the system, but you're still putting in the work for yourself. And do I have time for a third point on this? Of course, please go ahead. Great. So here's, here's something that I'm doing in my own business. So if I'm writing emails and, and work communication, the human touch is, is my position. When it comes to content, I use AI tools to help me repurpose things I've already created. So if I create a two-minute video with a particular tip on how to talk to executives, I have two minutes of video content. I then use AI to take the transcript from that, which gives me the written version. I can ask a tool like ChatGPT to create five quote cards from that. So yes, I can sit down and do it, or I could outsource it to someone in my team and say, can you make five quote cards for social media? Or I can put it in ChatGPT and get it in three seconds. It's my voice. It's my content because I feed it the transcript. And then I ask it to repurpose that into different things. And that is a very powerful way as, a, as an instructor and as a content creator. I can keep my advice, but save time in turning it into three or four different things. So you use your own creativity and content, content as in what's in your mind, but you let the AI tools do the manual work, so as to speak. Yes. Expand upon it. That's amazing. I, I haven't thought of that before. In fact, I, I didn't... Do we have to, is ChatGPT by itself capable of doing that or do I need yes. another tool as well? Oh, it is. Okay. ChatGPT can do that by itself. The, I could, so, and I know people who just ask ChatGPT to create content on a particular topic. They feed it a topic and say, write a blog post on this. I personally don't agree with that approach for a few reasons. One is, I don't know whether it's going to be accurate or making things up, whether it's plagiarized. But two, it's not my voice or my ideas. If I'm teaching in a space, I'm either teaching somebody else's content, in which case I don't need ChatGPT, I go and find that content and teach that and attribute it and recognize that person, or I come up with my own content. And ChatGPT can't come up with my content, only I can. But once I have my content, I can repurpose it. So for example, in the books, in the first minute, I can take a section of the first minute and paste it into ChatGPT and say, please create 10 quote cards. Please create a quiz based on the content of this. Now, creating quizzes takes time. You have to come up with a question, four or five answers. Why is one of them right? Why are some of them wrong? ChatGPT can do that based on the content I've given it. So it's in my voice. It's my ideas and it gets reused in a time-saving way. There are lots of other opinions and approaches to using it, but this is, you asked how I do it, this is my thoughts on the, on the use of AI. Amazing. This is extremely helpful. My final question for you is that since you're an author of communication books and training books, what are your top three communication book recommendations besides the ones that you have written? Oh, yes. So uh, for different categories, if you want to get to the point, 
then Joel Schwartzberg's book called Get to the Point. We'll make sure all of these are in the in the notes as well. Uh, Peter George wrote a great public speaking book called The Captivating Public Speaker. And I don't endorse public speaking books very often. They usually have a lot of the same stuff in it. Peter's book is a fantastic, fresh approach that is audience focused and really, really good book. And then a third example, which I, I happen to have here for anyone wondering about non-work situations, the it's a it's usually the number one on Amazon in communications. It's um, Lael Lounder's uh, How to Talk to Anyone, 92 Little Tricks for Big Success. And usually these books of sort of little tips for success so tend to be a bit, bit fluffy. This is excellent. Uh, small talk, meeting people for the first time, um, finding ways to be confident, and very, very short sections with a good story, a good method, a good example. Um, so those those are the three recommendations. Amazing. We'll have these names added in the description below. So if anyone wants to check it out further, Chris, this was a pleasure. Please tell everyone where they can find you and check out your work. And we'll conclude right after. Absolutely. So my social hangout is LinkedIn. That's the best place to, to come and find me. Anything in terms of my books and content, blogs, articles, videos are all available on chrisfenning.com. Nice, simple one. And that they're the best places to get in touch. And if you want to get the books, they are available wherever you like to buy books. Amazon is the obvious one, but almost all digital and physical stores will be able to get hold of the copies. Amazing. Chris, thank you so much. Guys, 39 Ways to Make Training Stick is coming out end of this month itself. If you're into training, get the copy. If you're into any other work, get the first minute or get both. Chris, thank you so much for having us here. It was a pleasure. And I hope you guys enjoyed. See you until next time. Thank you so much for being with us to the end. If you found this useful, do share it with someone who might benefit from it. And if you're looking for more communication and soft skill tips, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Lastly, if you would like a step-by-step -step process to improve upon your communication skills to accelerate your career growth, you can go on our website and book a free communication consultation call with me. Thank you for joining us and I'll see you next time.